Which NFC offense, NFC South offense, should you be fading right now? Do you need to be changing your tune about what the Arizona Cardinals are going to do for you for their skill position players this year? And what AFC West receiver is zooming up FFPC main event draft boards? Plus 26-time FFPC league champion Matt Stewart is going to swing on by to talk about Alvin Kamara's suspension, Deshaun Watson's regression, Cortland Sutton's ascension, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts now. The pressure. I've seen Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all of you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott, coming up on tonight's show. We're going to holler at you about the Dolphins running back situation in the wake of the Devin A. Chain injury. Debo Samuel versus Brandon Ayuk. And then 26-time FFPC league winner Matt Stewart is going to join us for a conversation about Javante Williams, about Aaron Rodgers, Zach Ertz, and much more. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so. The show is at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. Always learn more about Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. And by the way, checking out the KFFSC right now, which I'm in the midst of a main event slow draft there, having the time of my life drafting against a lot of people who watch this show and tune in every single week. Make sure that you are registering for the main event, not only uh, in Louisville and Cincinnati, which spots are getting scarce as I look at it right now. There's a lot of red on there. Only a few spots to draft live coming up in Cincinnati on the weekend of uh, the 20th, August 20th. And then uh, Louisville, which is the final weekend of August. Spots getting thin there as well. The main event uh, online stuff is going on right now. A couple of different um, slow drafts that you can sign up for right now. Two-hour clock, six-hour clock. And then uh, more live stuff gets going Sunday night at 11 o'clock Eastern. Make sure you're registering for that. That is the next draft that is going to be going off live at kffsc.com. Uh, email the show at the high stakes fantasy football, uh, excuse me, at high stakes fantasy football at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, send them in now. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and of course, our producer and mutual friend Rob. Let's welcome in the commissioner himself, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, and my good friend. Farrell Elliott. Farrell, welcome in to the uh, to the podcast tonight. So glad that you're joining me on a Thursday, on a night when we just watched the Texans and Patriots, and now we have uh, the Vikings and Seahawks getting underway in just a few minutes. Yes, excellent, Balky. Uh, Thursday night doubleheader, and you know, uh, there's no other way I would rather spend my Thursday night than talking to the football, fantasy football with you, Balky. You... Uh, I think as you hand out, boy, we have a guest tonight that what a great resume of success that he's had in the FFPC. But I think we should brag about the fact I had our our good mutual friend, 
uh, Jimmy Williams from Louisville, Kentucky on the phone today. And Jimmy was telling me, he says, you know, I got to get in some leagues with Balky because I got to get even with him. You <laughs> took the prize from the run to daylight out of the clutches of Jimmy's hands a few years ago. Yeah. You have that beautiful trophy uh, to go along with the $5,000 prize. And people tend to forget because nobody's talking about how great Balky is. So I will. People <laughs> forget. Get to believe and understand that the beard will hunt. And, Balky, you are the man. Now, thank you so much. I derive all the power in my fantasy football arsenal from my facial hair, obviously. Sure. And if I do shave that off, then then I, it's it's open season on me, Jimmy. So I'll be sure. looking for you in, in, in my leagues. It's, it's always fun to compete against you, for sure. You know, speaking of the Seahawks tonight, we have uh, – oh, by the way, I should mention this, too. Um, before we get going, um, for the first time ever, the FFPC is offering two separate million-dollar grand prizes, one in the FFPC main event, and then for the first time ever, the Fantasy Pros Championship. Just $350 to get into that, a $1 million grand prize. We got drafts going on tonight. I think there's one going on at the top of the hour. I'm going to be commissioning the midnight draft tonight as well. Uh, so make sure you're registering for both of those, main event and Fantasy Pros, at myffpc.com. We have the live main event going on uh, right now as well. I think there's a few spots available in the 1 o'clock p.m. draft tomorrow. So make sure you're signing up for that. And, of course, Dynasty, Best Ball, Best Ball Tournaments, Closed 12 Team Leagues, all going on at myffpc.com. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on the video, share it with your friends and enemies, and get notified every time we go live here. Seahawks and Vikings are about to go live in Seattle tonight, and let's start there, Farrell, tonight. Uh, Kenneth Walker's shoulder injury isn't anything serious, according to Pete Carroll. This according to uh, Brady, uh, Brady Henderson, who covers the Seahawks. Walker, although his injury is not serious, according to his head coach, hasn't practiced since the first day of training camp. According to the, um, the powers that be in Seattle, he is running at full speed. And in the next couple of days, could be as soon as tomorrow, he's going to be making, well, probably not tomorrow because they're playing tonight, but maybe Saturday, um, that he's going to start making uh, on-field cuts, which is good. This is, this is what you want to see. Although it is a shoulder injury, I don't know how violent it is for your shoulder when you're cutting with your feet, but it is what it is. The issue I want to bring up here tonight, Farrell, is is the Seattle running back field, uh, running back uh, core between Walker and Charbonnet. I'm wondering if you think, the distance between these two players is actually a little bit greater than it should be right now, or maybe it's a little closer than it should be. As I look at uh, fantasymojo.com, remember to follow Darren on Twitter, Darren Armani at fantasymojo on Twitter, the godfather of the pros versus Joe's uh, competition. The guy who hooked me up with this lovely pros versus Joe's hoodie that I'm sporting tonight. Thank you. Um, uh, if you are playing in the FFPC, I highly recommend that you uh, subscribe to fantasymojo.com because it is worthwhile. Charbonnet. Running back 37 at the 10.02. Kenneth Walker, 5.03 right now. Fairly still going up running back 17. How much trepidation do you have about drafting Kenneth Walker in the early fifth round right now? Uh, absolutely none. And actually, both players are being underdrafted. And it's, these two guys are very interesting. You look at the scouting department um, at Seattle. They have drafted the same physical specimen. You, these, these guys are similarly built. Uh, they're very, very strong in their lowers. You, but and, and we were big on Walker last year, Balky, as you were. Yep. We yep. were big on him. Nobody else was. I think he was in the seventh round. We're real big on Charbonnet, too. Now, what's different about these players is Walker is a guy who really hits the hole with authority. Uh, he'll push people out of the way. He's a real get low, get mean running back. 
Uh, Charbonnet is more of a finesse player, even though he's not built that way. But what Charbonnet is, is he's a natural pass catcher. Walker is not a natural pass catcher. And I don't think he ever will be. Remember when you always had a good athlete? There's a buddy, he could do everything, but you would you would play basketball and you would have that one guy that couldn't dribble or that one guy that couldn't shoot. He could do everything else, but there was one aspect. That's Walker, although he did catch eight passes against Tampa Bay last year in one game, but you add up his entire year and it was barely 30. So what you had for a rookie Walker was 1,000 yards rushing and nine touchdowns, and you're likely to get that again this year. What you get from uh, Charbonnet is a lot of pass catching. He's a better pass catcher. He's probably a better blocker. Um, you know, he. The, what's interesting about him, he, he shares with a lot of big receivers the fact that he's a long strider. That's difficult in a running back to overcome. When a guy, when a guy takes these long strides, it takes him a while to get going. So he's got to have the perfect hole to get through. NFL defenses are not as forgiving as the defenses he faced in college. But both these guys, they look similar. They fit the bill of what they want, and they both do different things. They'll both do it in this offense. Both these guys could be serviceable players. Uh, Walker is your big point scorer. Uh, Charbonnet is your uh, flex position guy in your bye week start. Uh, both of them would be very good fantasy scorers for us. Yeah. And Charbonnet not even being technically not even being drafted as a third running back. He's being drafted as a high end number four running back right now. Kenneth Walker smack dab into RB two territory. So look at both of those guys as potential values going forward. Um, maybe not as many values going over to the NFC South and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Greg Allman, who uh, covers the Buccaneers for the Athletics, says that Baker Mayfield is going to be starting the first preseason game against the Steelers. Kyle Trask is going to start out first in the second preseason game against the New York football Jets. Um, neither one of these guys have looked good in, in preseason, Farrell. And, and the question here is not necessarily, hey, should I be looking at Mayfield or Trask? The question is, what are you doing with Evans and Godwin? What are you doing with Rashad White when it looks like this offense could be a long season in their, uh, down there in Tampa Bay, Farrell? Chris Godwin is a uh, middle of the six-round pick. Mike Evans going around later in the middle of the seventh. You want to be in business with those players this year? Because I'm having a difficult time selling myself on drafting either one of these guys. At least one of them, because you can't get that level of talent. And whatever this uh, at that round of the draft, I don't think it's highly unusual. Evans was what a third rounder last year, so it was yeah. Godwin, you know, these guys, um, and and so you say it's not last year, and and you would be correct. But what it is is whatever this offense is, it's going to go through. Uh, those two players. And, uh, you know, I've made no secret of it on the show. I'm a, I'm a Trask guy. I think that's where it should be. And if he wins the job or when he wins the job, he will bring uh, downfield accuracy. He's got a power release. There's a lot of things to like about what he can do with the ball in his hands. And that makes Evans a fantastic play. What his problem is, it's like a lot of young players. It's accuracy in the short game. So that's what you need to look for in the preseason when he gets his start. If he can catch, if he can hit receivers, tight ends, if he can hit the short passes, then he's matured as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of player that um, th that I would really be uh, excited about if if I were going to draft uh, Evans or Godwin because Evans would be my guy here because he's the most to gain 
when this player takes the job away from Baker Mayfield. And, you know, in Baker Mayfield's case, once again, if he's quarterback, the offense runs through these two guys, he will get them the ball sometimes. He might not get them the ball consistently. With Mayfield as a quarterback, I like Godwin better than Evans. And and at that point where they're going, Godwin in the sixth, Evans in the seventh, you're, you're still you're still on board with those values right there, right, Farrell? I, I am just and, and that's yes, definitely. Okay, and just not both not loading them up in the same league, right? Yeah, One you, you don't load these guys up in the same league. But if if I watch Mayfield and I don't like what I see in him Mayfield in the in the preseason, then I'm going to elevate Evans. Evans is going to become a bigger target for me. You know, speaking of weird quarterback situations, mm. if you had Clayton Tune on your high-stakes fantasy football or bingo card tonight, congratulations. Scratch it off right now because we're talking about him. Greg Rosenthal from the NFL Network said that there's a chance that Tune could start games for the Cardinals this season. Now, mm. the way that that's worded to me, it's maybe not news, but keep in mind that um, Clayton Tune, along with David Blau, uh, Jeff Driscoll and Colt McCoy, all these guys have been getting first-team reps with the Cardinals right now. And uh, Dan Graziano, who covers the NFL for ESPN, said a few weeks ago that Toon is actually a really good fit to the Cardinals offense, and, and his mobility is going to help him um, you know, maybe be the guy in Arizona until Kyler Murray gets healthy, at least more so than Colt McCoy. Tomorrow night, the Cardinals take on the Broncos. And, and obviously there's a non-zero chance that Clayton Toon could be the starting quarterback for the Cardinals this year. This is not a Clayton Toon question, Farrell. This is a question about Marquise Brown. It's a question about Zach Ertz. It's a question about Trey McBride, Rondale Moore, all these Cardinals receivers there. How are we handling the Cardinals receiver situation when more and more it looks like not only will Kyler Murray not be playing the majority of the season, he might not be playing at all, and we might be looking at Clayton Toon as the starting quarterback for Arizona. It creates a whole spectrum of possibilities in that wide receiver room. And you know what? If Clayton Toon comes into a preseason game and does what he can do, uh, those receivers will sit around in the receiver room. They'll look at each other and say, hey, we got a quarterback. And it creates – you know, I have not been high on any of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, what this would do would be elevate not only uh, – Ertz, but McBride, it would elevate both tight ends. Uh, uh, you know, so it's not a Clayton Tune question, but we ought to add, you know, everybody's going, who in the hell is Clayton Tune? Uh, Clayton Tune played at University of Houston. He is it, 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 mobility, no. But what, what scouts will tell you now when they see a player like Clayton Tune, they'll say, well, he's not an athlete, but he has mobility within the pocket. Thank Eli Manning. Remember in the Super Bowl when Eli Manning wouldn't go down and then uh, the, the number 12 made the catch with the ball on his helmet. You know, that's I the really kind of thing you make things happen. This kid, uh, Clayton Toon, is probably more accurate um, all over the field than, than a lot of young quarterbacks that you talked about, and especially that bunch that you mentioned who are out in um, Arizona. Uh, so, yeah, if, if this guy gets the thing, you can expect TDs and bundles. The old scouts would say he throws a friendly ball, which mm -hmm. means that, you know, the ball is going to be somewhere in your catching radius if you're a wide receiver and he's going to throw it with touch. Go ahead and catch it. That's going to help great pass catchers uh, like Ertz. It's going to help guys that run the post route. Uh, like uh, uh, Brown, it, it, there's a lot of things here to like about this quarterback 
with this team. And, it, and just, so I would begin to look at Arizona Cardinals much differently. You know, uh, Dominic Uzzetti has a question in the chat, and, and he says, is Connor the only Arizona player worth drafting this year? To me, when you're talking about a, like a Fantasy Pros Championship, FFPC main event, 12 teams, 20 rounds, you got to look at everybody there. And, and yeah, I think Connor's worth drafting. I still like Marquise Brown. You know, he's going in the seventh round. I can get on board with that. Uh, I, I can definitely get on board with Rondale Moore in the 12th or the 13th round for mm-hmm. sure. I actually like that. In fact, I think I just took him in Kentucky recently uh, as well. And then if you want to, if, if you're nasty, Michael Wilson in the 19th round, okay. Not not my favorite target, but I, I can see it. And then obviously McBride and Ertz. We're going to get into those guys later on in the show. But is Connor the only Arizona player worth drafting? No, I don't think he is. I, mm-hmm. I think there's more value there, as, as Farrell just alluded to, uh, even regardless of the quarterback. Matt Stewart is coming up here tonight, the 26-time FFPC champ. Uh, we're going to bring him in in a couple minutes before we get to him. I do feel like we need to talk about Sky Moore here because Jesse Newell, who covers the Chiefs, said that he has been out there for every single first-team snap when the Chiefs have been going with two receivers. It's him and it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That means those guys are running ahead of Richie James, Rasheed Rice, uh, Justin Ross, all all these Chiefs receivers, Kadarius Toney, all these Chiefs receivers, although Toney's hurt right now for what it's worth. Um, But it sounds like Sky Moore, Sky Sky might be the limit for Moore this year, Farrell. Uh, he's being drafted pretty late, although he has been shooting up uh, draft boards lately. He has now passed Kadarius Tony as the top receiver drafted in Kansas City. Six receivers are being drafted in the Fantasy Pros Championship in 20 rounds. Uh, James and Ross late, Rasheed Rice, Marquez Valdez-Scantling in the middle, Tony in the, in the late ninth, and now Sky Moore is now a mid-ninth round pick as wide receiver 45. Farrell, he's catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. Don't necessarily see a big-time threat from any of those other Chiefs receivers. I can get on board with taking a stab on Sky Moore in in the mid-ninth round. I can, too, and I'm surprised that he has been deflated, I guess would be the right word. Uh, He's And no one can figure it out, and so our drafters that are risk-averse are responsible for him being in the ninth round, and that's if you watch the Super Bowl last year, that probably shouldn't be what you should should do. He's 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 got the the type of play that looks like he's going to elevate his game in this season. And remember, uh, Juju Smith Schuster is gone. There's 78 passes from Smith Schuster that he caught in this mixed bag of wide receivers in this offense that are no longer there. Somebody's going to step up and catch similarly to that. And if you get those kind of numbers in a in a player with Moore's uh, explosiveness and athleticness, athletic, athletic, athleticism. That's there you go. I'm, I know uh, you get there. Yep, gotta, you know, just a little more caffeine. I'll be okay. You get that <laughs> ball, you get that ball into an athletics player's hands. It's a world of possibilities opening up. Yeah. This, this player, this player should be drafted higher. Yeah. And, and I think he will be, I, I said uh, yesterday, I, I thought, um, if this keeps up seventh round, maybe even sixth round for Sky Moore. Uh, but it's got to continue on this trajectory, which as of right now, doesn't seem like it's not going to. Uh, let's bring in our guest tonight, ladies and mm. gentlemen. Been playing fantasy football for a long time and actually a long time competitor in the FFPC. Over the years, he's earned 26 uh, league championships in the FFPC. He's cashed thousands upon thousands. I was going to add it up. I, I said, the heck with it. I'm wasting my time here. It's way too much money. Uh, l- let's just bring him in like this. He's really good at fantasy football at the very highest level. Please welcome into the High Stakes Fantasy Footballer. Making his debut, it is Matt Stewart. Matt, welcome in, man. 
How you doing, Eric? How you doing? How you doing, Farrell? Thanks for having me. Nice to see you, buddy. Well, it's a, thanks for coming on. I, I know it's it's a weird night. It's Thursday. We don't normally do the show on Thursday. We're playing a little catch up here, and there's football on. So the fact that we get to pick your brain tonight is is certainly a treat. When you are not winning all these leagues in the FFPC, Matt, can you tell us what you're doing for a living? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, got a big family, wife, three kids. Uh, all the all the kids play travel sports, so a lot of lacrosse, uh, a lot of soccer, travel, football, high school. Uh, beyond that, I, I lead a, a federal IT sales team. So I manage a federal IT sales team for a living. And uh, that's all, you know, when it's not football season, I'm, I'm just wishing it was football season because this is obviously a, a big hobby of mine that I, I definitely appreciate and love playing on FPC. Oh, we love having Matt, you. For sure. I'm from the South and I need you to slow down a little bit and let me get <laughs> keeping up with you. What did you say you do for a living? I manage a federal IT sales team, a lot of cloud, a lot of storage, you know, boring things that, Nowhere near as fun as fantasy football, so I don't want to put you guys to sleep. I'm going to look that stuff up after the show. You would never put me to sleep with your resume. Fantastic. Right. Donkey says, long-time player. I look at, well, he started when he was 14 with a fake ID. How in the hell be a long-time player? Uh, the, uh, the, so, look, talk to me about a long-time player in the NFL. I want to get right to it because uh, Mr. Jessel Jones uh, just said he's really good. He wanted to be really good at fantasy football, so I'm here to learn. You're the kind of guy to learn from. Okay, Alvin Kamara, Balky and I got it right. People were saying six games. We said back in the spring, we think it's overblown. We think maybe two or three games. It comes back as three games. Where do you draft him now? Do you draft him at value of the sixth and seventh round, which Balky informs me that that's where Darren Armani informs us that he is going? Are you satisfied with that? And what would be your strategy if you were going to – Target Camara, what would be your strategy of how you would build running backs around him to get you through those first three weeks? Well, I, I think you summed it up. I mean, if my build, if, if I have a quality, you know, first or second and or second back, I'm willing to to go after Kamara in that you know, in that sixth, seven, seventh round, really in the sixth round. I mean, prior to the three games, especially coming out, I was seeing him go. I mean, I have him on a, on plenty of my teams already this year. I was getting him in the in the ninth round, you know, routinely. Wow. I've seen him move up. I've seen him go as high as the fifth round recently. Mm-hmm. That's a little rich for me right now, but uh, I would say mid to late six, I'm, I'm comfortable. But again, it, it really entirely depends on your build, what you've done in the first five rounds to, to, to be really comfortable and happy with that, uh, with that strategy. You, you know, know you think about a fresh leg Alvin Kamara coming in to the, you know, yeah, I, I really like the, the sounds of that, you know, for what you might get for your regular season. It's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, and Matt, I think the other question here that, that we should bring up, and this is more of a Saints running back question, but they just had Kareem Hunt in for a visit. Um, are you at all concerned with not necessarily Kamara because, you know, obviously we know he's missing the first three games, but what do you think the Saints think of Kendry Miller and Jamal Williams, two other running backs that are being drafted in the Fantasy Pros Championship and the FFPC main event right now? Uh, would you be nervous about drafting either of those guys knowing that the Saints just worked out Hunt, although they didn't sign him? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we heard great things about Kendra Miller. We know what Jamal Williams can do. We've seen that for, for years upon years with only a three game suspension. I was, I was really surprised that they didn't only bring him in. They tried to sign him and he left mm-hmm. Indy without a contract. So he may be going back to, to New Orleans. So that, that again is why for me really mid ideally late six is where I would look for Kamar at this point in time. I just think there are other options 
in that same tier that, that are safer to give me points. And if they're bringing in Kareem Hunt, may, obviously Saints, Saints know more than we do. And it is a concern. But yeah, I'll, I'll roll the dice in the late six. Yeah, and I think that's that's a, a smart play there, especially yeah. Again, depending upon how your team build is at that point, yep. I think that could be a really smart decision. Um, yep. I'm not seeing a, in my opinion, I'm not seeing a lot of smart decisions being made about Javante Williams. No. This is a guy that I was very. I, I took over a dynasty team, um, and I was ticked off because um, my number one running back was Williams, and I didn't really have a whole lot of depth after that. I'm like, well, you know, this is going to be a mulligan for him, and then I hear that he's going to start, you know, a few weeks ago, Sean Payton says, yeah, he's going to start playing at training camp right away. And then I hear Sean Payton's going to be playing him in preseason games. And I'm like, this guy is your meal ticket here. You only have Samaje P. Ryan behind him. So he can't be, he must be making great strides in an injury that, that was really, really bad last year. And, and so then I became, I'm like, okay, Javante Williams, here we go. Wheels up. Right. And, and I look at him, he is still, now he's finally, the last time I brought Javante Williams up, he was a seventh round pick. Now, on a, based on ADP, he's entered the sixth round, at least, as running back 23. I don't get it. I, I see this guy as a value in every single draft, and I'm scooping him up wherever I can. At that price, Matt, I, I see nothing but 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 upside with Williams. What am I missing here? Why has this guy not vaulted up to the fifth or maybe even the fourth round? Yeah, Eric, I, I think you're teaming me up here. I, I think you know how many, how many teams I actually have him on. I might. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is... He's a great example. Are you taking in the mid-six? Are you taking, I mean, Alvin Kamara with three-game suspension and all that competition, and they're, they're still bringing in additional competition, or a much younger running back who, by, by all measures, is ready to go right now. He's going to play in the preseason. I don't I don't believe Samaj P. Ryan. They may ease him in a little bit. We've heard this from, from multiple outlets, right? They may, may ease him in. But at the end of the day, as that offense goes, it's how Javante Williams goes. They, they upgraded the offensive line, McGlinchey from, you know, from San Fran. They upgraded the right guard. The line's much improved. If he's fully ready to go, I'm taking him 10 out of 10 times over Alvin Kamara. It's, it's, it's not close. So yeah. I, I think by the time we get around to the bulk of our main event drafts, I, I think you see him higher than the sixth round. I think you see him, you know, probably as early as the, the late fourth or, you know, early fifth. So right now, if I can get him 10 out of 10 times in the sixth round, I'm doing it. And hell, he still may be a value there, guys. Balky, don't you love it when fantasy football players talk about offensive linemen? I mean, nothing, oh. nothing makes me happier, Matt Stewart. Absolutely. Um, I mean, even you know, when they had Melvin Gordon, who was decent out of the backfield catching the ball, they used Javante in that capacity much more than Melvin Gordon. So, I mean, he's he's a he's a three down back, and uh, can't can't wait to see how he does. Our our Jessel Jones asked a very important question. Question: Don't you think Peyton will have his signature split backfield there? And I'd say, Jessel, there's 450, maybe 500 carries in that split backfield, so that's okay, you know. And and uh, Williams will will get his. I are you coming to Planet Hollywood September seventh through uh, ninth, sixth through ninth? Yeah, you know, I've never done an in person main event draft. Done plenty of main event drafts. I do plan to do one in the future, but but not this year. It's just been crazy. My uh, oldest is going to the University of Kentucky, so he's le- leaving to go, go go away to college. The other two are still very, very busy. In fact, right now, <clears throat> I'm at a Deep Creek Lake in Maryland with the entire entirety of my family, as well as some really good friends. And my youngest has six completely wild, you know, best buddies with him right now. 
So if you hear anything or see anything behind me, I apologize in advance. Hopefully you don't. They know I'm doing this. So, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's on my You would be the kind of guy that we, we want in the room. Now, where's home for you? Uh, Northern Virginia, Loudoun County. Okay, well, very uh, good. You know, because the, the contest I run is known as the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. The cat is out of the bag. You have a wild cat in Lexington, and you have let us know that you'll be coming to Kentucky. Uh, so, okay, so we got to get this worked I out. I want to do one of those as well. Very familiar. Before we do, I want to talk to you about something. If you, if you were to show up here or to show up at Planet Hollywood, you would meet one of the coolest guys uh, that Bal- Balky and I count as our dear friend. Uh, John Anderson. He is uh, his email says Ultimate Browns fan thirty uh, two, and and he's going to be sitting on the edge of his seat awaiting your answer for this. He'll leave Planet Hollywood early because he'll have to get home and go to the Cleveland Browns game where he's been to everyone in like the last thirty years. So tell John Anderson if Deshaun Watson is going to become the Deshaun Watson that we all expect this year, and what in your mind that does with all of the other, um, with all of the other players uh, that are present in in that Cleveland offense. Yeah, I mean they've, they've upgraded the wide receiver room. They added Elijah Moore. Uh, you know, added a good rookie from Tennessee. Obviously, they have Amari Cooper. They have a good tight end room. Um, the line's exceptional. Nobody can, you know, nobody can forget about Nick Chubb. So, you know, the defenses are going to have to respect the run of Cleveland each and every game. So Deshaun Watson, for me, has been one of my, unless I'm willing to invest in one of the big five, you know, big three in the top three rounds, pretty much 100% of the time. I've seen Allen fall to the early fourth a couple of times. I think that's happened in the drafts, you know, here today. Great pick. Um, but unless you're willing to spend a top, you know, three pick, you know, three round pick on one of those those big three, or then go after Lamar or Joe Burrow, probably somewhere in the late fourth to early fifth. Deshaun Watson in the late seventh, early eighth. This is a guy we've seen consistently deliver twenty five points, twenty five fantasy points per game. I haven't seen Sunshine do that. I haven't. There's a number of guys that we're valuing more so than Deshaun Watson. We've never seen. I'm not saying they're not going to do it. We we know that stars emerge, and he may take the next step, and he may be that guy. Mm-hmm. But I really believe Deshaun Watson has has the has the the probability, not the chance, the probability to do that this year. Yeah, uh, Matt. Continuing on our our Cleveland Browns uh, conversation here, Dominic Gazzetti in the in the YouTube chat right now. He thinks the gap between Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore is way too big, uh, ADP rise, uh, ADP wise. And uh, if Moore can can do what he did his rookie year, that could be huge value. Now, as I look at the at the ADP right now um, for Fantasy Mojo between. Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, you're looking at Amari Cooper as a mid fourth round pick. You're looking at Elijah Moore as a late eighth round pick. Does that uh, say to you like, okay, uh, I I like Cooper, but man, the value on, on Moore is, is so much better. Should these guys be going closer together in drafts? I I think so. I do think so. I, I, obviously Cooper's still the one there. He's going to be the most targeted receiver, at least you know, by all accounts, he's, he's going to be the most targeted receiver. But I'm, I'm also hearing that uh, Elijah Moore in two wide receiver sets is, is looking like he's going to overtake DPJ. So mm. that means a lot of targets for a late eighth rounder. And to that point, I've seen him plenty of times, you know, plenty of times slip into the, you know, mid ninth. So, yeah, it should be closer. 
Dizzle pointing out too, he said, well, Cooper is much safer, uh, right? Which I totally agree with. I think, I think that that goes without saying, but you're also paying a premium for that safety. There's a lot of insurance on that Cooper pick over Elijah Moore. It might be worth it too. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up in the YouTube chat right now, Matt, uh, this is from Matt Zimmer, actually. He wants to know, are you ever a zero RB guy? Have you ever done drafts like that? Where do you stand on the zero RB philosophy? I'm, I'm not going to say that I don't occasionally do it, but but I feel like in, in your average 12-team draft today, at least on the FFPC platform, there are so many guys, so many so many league owners, managers who go zero RB. For me to follow suit and do that, I'm letting better value at the running back position pass mm-hmm. just to go zero RB. Are, do yeah. running backs get hurt more often? Sure. They absolutely do. But I'm not letting uh, you know a, a Saquon or an Austin Eckler or a Bijan – get by me for I'm trying to think um, you know for a receiver just because he's a receiver I'm trying to think of, I was going to say Jalen Waddle that's not really a good answer because I, I love Jalen Waddle I think as long as Tua can stay healthy I think he's going to be a great player this year as well but no I, 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 I'm not a fan of that honestly I, I, I do go heavy on receiver but zero RB is uh, not not normally the case for me um, what about, um, we all saw Hard Knocks this week um, with, well, I shouldn't say we all did. I, I, I finally did. I didn't see it the first night. I, I watched it last night. Um, and I got to tell you, um, Aaron Rodgers, the way that it's edited, um, looks like he could be the greatest human being ever to walk, <laughs> walk this planet. Not the greatest quarterback ever, greatest human being ever to walk the planet. Um, obviously, people are so jazzed up, and God bless Jets fans. Why wouldn't you be? If I was a Jets fan, I'd be jazzed up as well. Um, but uh, I, I, I want to ask you about the actual fantasy output for Aaron Rodgers in New York. He, I, I'm a little surprised he's going as late in drafts as he is uh, right now, Matt, and I look at the mojo on him. This is a situation where he's being drafted at the 10-11 turn as quarterback 16. I honestly expected him to go be going higher, and I think there's some value in drafting Aaron Rodgers there. Don't you agree? 100%. He looks he looks reju- rejuvenated. Uh, it's funny how a, a next year can actually completely change the perspective, the outlook, the uh, the, the reputation of, of a player. He was disgruntled in Green Bay. He looked like he didn't want to be playing. Uh, clearly was not he, – he was never there for the, you know, any of the offseason stuff. He's been there every step of the, you know, every step of the, you know, the process with the Jets. He's got Garrett Wilson. I do like Alan Lazard this year as well in terms of like a, a deep, you know, probably a wide receiver four, maybe wide receiver three on a fantasy team. So yeah, I'm in on Aaron Rodgers. I have him a ton as well as a QB two. Hmm. Have you been drafting him as a starter anywhere? Or is he always a backup for you? If I go really deep at both running back, receiver, and actually tight end as well, especially in tight end premium formats like FPC, there are times where maybe a Dak Prescott's my starting quarterback. I can easily come back, like you said, in the 12th round and get Aaron Rodgers. Right. I feel yeah. much more confident and secure having both those guys than, than just one or the other. Matt, you got too many kids and you're playing too many teams. To sit around trying to – how many times you would change your lineup on Saturday night and Sunday morning between Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers? You will go virtually crazy. I would not yeah. recommend I would not recommend doing that, but if you guys are high on Rodgers, and I loved – I'll tell you, Bonky and Matt, how I watched the show. I, it was on, and I was doing business on the phone. I was watching the images, and I could just tell the show was going to be interesting because how it was shot differently. And I uh, – 
that facility where the Jets are, there's a lot of reasons that that players come in there, not as famous as Aaron Rodgers, but sign free agent deals because they're very, very excited uh, about being there. And, you know, I, I want to talk with you. If, if we love Rodgers, we got to love some of the guys um, around him. So let's talk about uh, uh, the wide receivers that are traveling with him, Aaron Lazard and uh, Alan Lazard. And it would if we didn't talk about uh, Randy Cobb, who won't be drafted, but if we didn't talk about Randy Cobb, two Packer would be mad at us. Yeah. So, so what do you think about those guys that are tagging along and and uh, going to, to be part of the new Aaron Rodgers in New York? Yeah, I mean, Lazard looks to be clearly the number two there. So I don't – I can't remember the, you know, his last year stats off the top of my head, 800 yards, six, seven touchdowns. I'm, I'm ballparking it. Balky, I'm sure you have that somewhere at your yep. fingertip, fingertips. I don't see a, a, a big difference in terms of his production in New York than, than what he had in Green Bay. Okay. But that's – for a wide receiver four on a fantasy team, that's, you know, that's yeah. solid. He's, you know, he's catching high 60s. Low seventies balls, you know. Garrett Wilson's the unquestioned. The guy's a freak. He's the unquestioned one there. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to gravitate and really focus on him, much much like he did Devontae. He knows where his talent's at, but I think Lazard's a good value. I mean, he, he goes late, so you're not spending any anything premium in terms of draft capital. You get your hands on Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. I have probably zero interest in, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's definitely a safety blanket of, a, of a, you know Aaron Rodgers as well. When you get into Lexington with your do, – do not say you have no interest in Randall Cobb. Just always say yes. <laughs> That's fair. Will be, That's fair. You should get Randall Cobb at all costs. Make sure you get him in all your fantasy teams because okay. we want you to get out of Kentucky alive. So, you know, yep. you got you to be all about um, Randall Cobb. Matt, you know, uh, right there, I, I completely forgot he was big, big Blue Nation alumni. So, it's, yes. Uh, yeah, yes. Flip my mind. Um, Matt, to your point on Lazard, yeah, it does seem that way. We came into the league young too, um, right. it, it, and, uh, and and people forget he went to Houston for a little bit, and then he came Jimmy, back, and now he's in New York. Jimmy so, Williams, Jimmy Williams, who we spoke of earlier, Balky has joined us in the chat room. Yeah, you know, which is great. And, and he, he, he said he was not recruited for the show. No, he was not. This is just he's just popping in, and I, and he's glad that since your kid is going. Uh, to UK that uh, you talked about Randall Cobb tonight. Yep. So so there you go on, on that. Uh, maybe well, there'll be a Benny Snell discussion later on. I don't know. I can't. There we go. Anything. Yeah. He's a hell of a um, back in Kentucky too. So yeah, he was. Yeah, Matt. Um, to your point on Lazard stats, he had career highs in um in both um catches and yards last year. Sixty catches, seven hundred and eighty-eight yards. That was his first season without Devonte Adams. He's got uh, a player that um. Aaron Rodgers is rightfully or wrongfully comparing to Devontae Adams and Garrett Wilson in New York this year. How that shakes out, I don't know. But I do know that Rodgers leaned on Lazard uh, and Garrett Wilson's been dinged up already. So we'll just leave it at that. I don't want to put the injury hex on anybody this early in the season. But I'll just say that. Um, okay, so Farrell just asked you uh, uh, about Alan Lazard. Let me ask you about Cortland Sutton, a guy that um, – the reports have been very positive about him so far in training camp. However, those same people, beat reporters that are talking about um, that are talking about um, Cortland Sutton, they're also talking about Jerry Judy still being the number one there, which is significant in that offense. 
And if we look at the ADP for Cortland Sutton, baking all that into it, he is going at wide receiver 47 in the late ninth round. That's where Cortland Sutton is right now. Based on what you know about him, Matt, based on what you've seen and all the drafts you've done, do you think that's too late for Cortland Sutton and FFPC players should be drafting him higher than that? I like that he's going that late. And, you know, to your point, I've, I have him plenty as well. I, I, I've gotten him as late as the 11th. And uh, he's going to have opportunity. Opportunity really is king. I'm, I don't I don't think he, you know, there's been a lot of reports about he's studying Michael Thomas's role for the Saints and he's going to be that big slot and this, that, and the other. I, I think that, I think that's, that's absolutely the ceiling. That's, that's, that's a perfect storm if it, ha- if it happens, but either way, as the wide receiver two in that offense, he's going to see enough targets to make him a value in the ninth round, much less the 10th or the 11th, which I'm sure a lot of these listeners have actually gotten, gotten in there too. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. lost my mind, fellas. Uh, Balky, will you read the quote from the Dizzle? Uh, he said, uh, Sutton getting camp hype. And then he said, even I, a Sutton hater, thinks that's a value as Sutton is going in the late ninth round. I, I never thought I'd see the day. No, I, I can't never thought I'd see the day. Dizzle went pro Sutton with anything. And, and I got to tell you guys, it's it's obvious. The ninth round is just packed with talent. If you're playing in a basement league, you should trade all your early picks and try. That's where I'm, <laughs> apparently that's what we want to talk about is uh, is the ninth yeah, round. Go ahead. To that point, I mean, the guy that everybody assumed was going to be the number three, he's done for the year, Tim Patrick. So mm-hmm. yeah, 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 I'm not saying Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma can't can't step in and be a, you know a capable, but he's a rookie. We don't we don't know what we're getting there. A lot of I people like him, yeah. you know, even better than. It, it their their receiver may not their number three guy may not even be on the roster yet. I don't know. Oh, uh, let me talk to you about some guys that are going to be drafted even later. And you know, we just we just uh, we just informed everybody who Clayton Toon is. If you didn't know who Clayton Toon was before the show, so now we want to talk about the tight ends. Anytime you get a rookie quarterback, this classic drop back passer, and that's what I'm hoping we'll get. You know, Clayton Toon is six four. Uh, I love those tight ends, especially one like Zach Ertz. You, are you separating the tight ends at Arizona, or are they of such value? Maybe Balky will tell us where they're going in the draft. Are they of such value that you would take them both as late as I think they're going, which is Balky is at 15? Is that about yeah, where? Yeah, we're looking at the last three days in the Fantasy Pros Championship. Trey McBride, 14-10, so end of the 14th round is tight end 24. Zach Ertz is tight end 35. He's going in the early 18th. So Ertz is basically free. McBride is, you know, I don't want to say he's free, but he's a late 14th round pick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when I, when I don't pay a lot of draft capital on my tight ends, I consistently end up with Zach Ertz. And I'm getting him in, you know, 18th, 19th. I'm sure I've gotten him in the 20th, you know, a few times. If he's ready week one, I strongly prefer him over McBride. I, I don't think it's going to be a. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't see even if they're running a lot of twelve personnel. I, I see Ertz getting more targets. He's a better route yeah. runner. He is the he is the confidence of every, everybody in that locker room. He looked great last year before he got hurt. McBride was on the team last year. He was a rookie. Now I do expect McBride to be better. But if you're talking about McBride in the fourteenth versus Ertz at the earliest in the eighteenth, and if you're telling me there's a good chance he's ready week one. It's a no, no brainer for me personally. I, I, people have different, different perspectives, opinions. I'm going Ertz every time. 
Okay. And is it because of the body of work that, that you like Ertz better? If I mean, Again, if yeah, he's healthy I've and ready to go. I've seen him do it as recently as last year, meaning he was – for the games he played last year, even even in the FFPC format where it's tight end premium, he got me by with, with plenty of you know mid-team point, point games, and that'll get it done if I'm strong at receiver, running back, you know, quarterback, everywhere else. So, yeah, I, I think he – I think he has the, the potential to be one of the absolute best values out there. I see uh, we, what you did as a broadcast professional there, Balky. That was pretty slick. Yeah, well, I, I do what I can. Um, yeah, you just let, let's keep it going with this because we got we got a bunch of well, I, we got a couple more uh, tight end questions for you here from the YouTube chat, Matt. And and I'll go. I'm, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get back up to. God, I forget who posted uh, the original question. Oh, Kyle, Kyle, we're gonna get to your question in a second. I'm gonna go to Dom's question first. We're talking about Sutton. Um, but let's talk about Dulcich here because the reasons we like drafting Sutton, obviously ADP, the fact that, you know, um, he, he's, he's got the opportunity to break out this season. Uh, Dom likes drafting Dulcich, uh, right now in, in fantasy pros drafts, Matt, you're looking at Greg Dulcich as the tight end 14 at the 10 Oh five. Um, and I don't believe Troutman has, no, I don't see Troutman in here at all. So you're looking at Dulcich as the only Broncos tight end drafted. How do you feel about him in the mid-10th? Love him as well. Again, if I, unless I'm spending premium draft capital on one of the, one of the big names, you know, Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson, uh, you know, obviously there's a handful after that as well. That's typically one of my targets when I'm t- tight end empty and I get to, to about that range. Tenth round, I'm looking at Greg Dulcich. Okay, so let me ask you this, and this is something that, the Dizzle just posted in the uh, in the chat room. Um, Sean Payton already said this: that the run blocking uh, that Troutman does so well actually has him listed on the first unofficial depth chart of the season for the Broncos. He has uh, Sean Payton has Troutman ahead of Dulcich. How much stock do you put into that? Does that concern you at all, or is it too early for you in the preseason to be concerned about depth charts? For me, it's too early. Sean Payton he's done this he's done this when he, when he was with the Saints. He sets he sets his depth charts, a lot of times it's for motivational purposes. There may be something that Dolce, he's not doing well that uh, Peyton expects better out of him. Mm-hmm. Put, him put him number two on the, de- on the depth chart. For, for me, it's it's not close in terms of the talent levels between the two guys. Troutman, I mean, I'm not. he was never featured in New Orleans, but I saw enough of him to know compared to what I saw from Dolce in Denver last year. I, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Greg Dolce. And, and and still in the 10th round there, too. And as we know from Joe Del Zanero, Baker Boy, there's no such thing as a bad draft pick the 10th on uh, 10th rounder on. Um, let's go back up to ta- uh, Kyle's uh, question here. Rookie tight ends historically do not have uh, great rookie years for fantasy football. Is there any rookie tight end that you see this year, uh, Matt, that could buck that trend? Think about Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer. Uh, I'll throw in Luke Musgrave in there as well. I mean, there's plenty of tight ends to choose from this year. Could be a really good tight end class. Sam Laporta, for God's sake, in, in the uh, in the um, uh, NFC uh, North. That's another guy to be looking at here. Uh, what about you? Are there any rookie tight ends that you've been targeting this year? Yeah, none, none of those guys are expensive, so none of them scare me. But the last one you mentioned is the one I'm most interested in, and that's Laporta. You know, but by all, all reports we're getting, he looks like the starter from day one. Jared Goff's always he's always utilized the tight end. Mm-hmm. They don't have many reliable targets in that offense until Jameson Williams comes back. You got, you know, outside of their their elite slot guy. 
I'm not sure who, where he's throwing the ball. Is, is, is it really going to be Marvin Jones? I, I, I just I think Laporta has to be a factor in the offense. I'm not expecting a thousand yard, you know, Kyle Pitts rookie season or anything like that. But but if you're if you're hoping for 700 yards and then a half dozen touchdowns, I think that's that's realistic. And hey. it's realistic as well. Go ahead, Farrell. The bulky uh, Joseph Gilliam just showed up in the chat room. He's yep. saying hello to Joe. But I will tell you this. Uh, this goes back to Kyle T's question. Uh, and and Matt hit it right on the nose. Uh, you're not drafting these rookie tight ends to play for you until about week eight. And then you're going to get them on the field because if you go look at some of the uh, – you go look at some of the game logs of the rookie tight ends that have had modest first years catching passes. And then you look at what they did for you at the end of the season. That's when these guys begin to get it. That's when they get in the mix. And that's when some of the older players that may be hanging on at the position begin to hurt a little bit. There's a question in here. Is Kelsey too old? Never. But you know, all players that are, that have played a lot of uh, football, uh, have a tendency to get banged up, have a tendency to to get hurt. So you're going to rely on the young player a little more. And some of these players will be relied on early on, and then they will be, get into a rhythm with their quarterback, with their offense, gain the offensive coordinator's trust, and then you'll have a great end-of-the-year ball player. So as Matt says, you're not spending much for them. And you're betting in for the not the not the future that we're not we're not playing dynasty here, but you're betting into the November future, yeah. and you want to have emerging players at that time, and that's the skill set that you've got with these players. Uh, Matt, a couple of emails here that I want to get to you from some viewers. The first one's in raw from Ron in Cairo, Ohio. Hey, Matt, which Miami running back have you been targeting this season? Thanks, man. Uh, thank you for the email, Ron in Cairo, Ohio. Yeah, there's three, three of them really to look at there. You're looking at Mostert. You're looking at A-Chain. You're looking at Jeff Wilson. Um, A-Chain and, and Wilson have both gotten hurt. Uh, I don't know if any of those injuries are serious enough to bleed in uh, to the start of the regular season. And quite frankly, if you look at the ADP of, of the Miami running backs here, you're not breaking the bank, even on A-Chain, a guy that I thought – uh, people were really reaching on in, in rookie drafts this year for dynasty purposes. Uh, you're looking at Miami, A-Chain, 10.09. Wilson's at the 13.04. Mostert, 13.12. I mean, these are these are all guys that are going after the single-digit rounds. I, I don't know, Matt. You've done a bunch of drafts. Have you been kind of sprinkling your Dolphins running back shares, or have you been targeting one of these three more, more so than the other two? Honestly, great question. As it relates to that room, that running, that running back room in Miami, Go reverse ADP. So most start one, Wilson mm. two, A chain. Now I like A chain as a player. Now he's about the size of you know one of my kids. So <laughs> his role, his role, you know he, he he's not going to be he's never going to be a bell cow. He's ex- exceptionally fast. We know that he he moves well. He's elusive, but they have to have a plan for him. So volume, opportunity. He's not built for a lot of that, and. That concerns me. Tenth round's not it's not excessive to your point. Anything tenth or later, you're not wasting a pick, but at the same time, uh, there are guys I prefer over him when I'm drafting the tenth round. The uh, the other email here, Matt, for you is uh, from Wayne in Newark, New Jersey. Are you team Debo or team Ayuk this year in San Francisco? Wayne, thank you for watching. Thank you for the email. Uh, this is a good question because I, I don't necessarily think you have to decide between these two. 
because their ADP is different. But I know people will decide between the two, as in if they get Debo Samuel in the early fourth round, which is where he's going right now as the 18th receiver off the board, they're probably not targeting Brandon Ayuk as the wide receiver 30 in the mid-sixth round where he's going right now. How do you fall in on this? Um, I, I don't even know if you have a strong opinion on this, quite frankly, Matt. I love both those guys. I have plenty of shares of both on my teams. Uh, if you're telling me, I know I can have Ayuk in the sixth as opposed to Debo in the early fourth, probably Ayuk. Probably Ayuk. But I, I'm a big fan of Debo as well. I think he, I think Debo also has the, the distinct possibility to well outperform his fourth round ADP. So mm-hmm. granted, Ayuk coming off his first you know thousand plus yard year, fantastic receiver as long as Purdy's ready, good to go, provide some stability at the quarterback position, and they have depth that you know there now as well. So even if he does get hurt, he can't start you know start the season. They're not dead in the water. I like both those guys. I'm, I'm a big fan of both. It's not really an answer. I'm not telling you, but I, but I guess if you're saying Debo early fourth, it's Debo late fourth, maybe Debo if it's. Debo early fourth or Ayuk somewhere in the sixth round, probably saying Ayuk. Yeah, and that makes sense, and that's fine. Like, you know, listen, when, when you're drafting more than one team, the, these answers are all acceptable. Farrell's a little bit more stringent on, on our guest answers when it comes to stuff like this, especially for this final question, Matt. He's He lays out the parameters for this. I wash my hands of it, but I'm very interested in hearing the answer. I am too, because we've got a guy here that knows how to really separate players. And he mentioned the quarterback there. And I think you're spot on. Both those players are going to outperform their draft position based on the quarterback. This quarterback is the real thing at 49ers. And Bonky, is he even being drafted? Is For anybody is anybody Purdy? Talking about Purdy? Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's come back up now. So Purdy, you're looking at in the Fantasy Pros Championship, a guy who wasn't being drafted probably a month or so ago has now entered uh, the Fantasy Pros Championship probably about, I don't know, maybe 10 to 14 days, maybe 17 days ago. He is now going off the board as an early 14th round pick. So people are scooping him up as quarterback 22. Yeah, well, congratulations to everybody that got him at a bargain price. So, Matt, I want to hear from you. You're a positive guy. I like your vibe, but I want to hear one guy that you just will not have on your team, maybe at any price, and where you just wouldn't trust to play him. And then I want to hear your sleeper because I think you've got some youthful – I think you've got a good eye on the younger players in the league and maybe some of the veterans within new positions that might have a chance to shine. So a guy you won't touch and then your sleeper of the year. Okay, so I'll premise it by saying there's nobody I won't touch at the right price. No, you can't get away with that because no, I, that no, that's just a preface. It's just a preface, Farrell. No, I happen question. to agree with them there. Yeah. That's not the question. Well, we have to treat him as a hostile witness now. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, uh, we, we, sir, that, the judge corrected you. That was probably bad phrasing on my part, Farrell, so I apologize. That was probably bad phrasing. <laughs> and no apology but, uh, is necessary, but an answer is. Yes. <laughs> There are two guys that you will not find on many, if any of my teams. And those guys, I love I love them both as prospects, but this year, based upon the scheme, where they're at, and where they're being drafted, most importantly, you're not going to find on my teams. That's Jameer Gibbs. Mm. That's Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba. So those two guys, for different reasons, Detroit runs a power-heavy yeah, scheme. They brought in, they paid David Montgomery very nicely. He's going to get the volume. He's going to get the goal line touches. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be a hell of a player at the NFL for a long time. Mm-hmm. 
but where he's going, he's generally going in the third round. That's, that's too high. There's, there's, but for me, there's better value. I do have him a, a couple places, but I got him a little bit, little bit later. And I mean mm-hmm. a couple places. And Balky, I, I don't want to say how many drafts I've already done. That's, you know, that that's embarrassing to an extent. I would say, I would say you've done more than two. That's appropriate to say. I've definitely done more than two. And then <laughs> again, I, I love him coming out of Ohio State. I just think with. With, you know, with the top two guys, top two receivers there right now, and DK and, you know, Lockett, a team that loves to run the ball, a team that added Zach Charbonnet to go, go, go along with Kenneth Walker, they're going to they're gonna be a run-heavy team. And I just don't see enough opportunity for him to justify where he's going either. So those those are two guys okay. I'm not really talking about. I like that. What, what about, um, Matt, in, in, in your more than two drafts that you've done, do you find yourself when when you get past the tenth, eleventh round? Do you find yourself grabbing a lot of the same players um, because you like them? Like, is there one or two guys that you've been scooping up late as as a late round sleeper? I mean, we talked about a couple of my favorite values in, in terms mm-hmm. of beyond the tenth round. Aaron Rodgers again is a, a a big a big favorite of mine to take, and I think you mentioned his ADP was somewhere around that 11, 12, 12 turn. I've routinely gotten them later than that, so I feel like I'm I'm even happier with with those picks. But I'm a big fan there, and I I tend to take him if I don't have one of the big five, and I, I really want to shore up that position. Quarterback, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of depth. But at the same time, if you you don't have a guy who can realistically get you 20 plus points, you're at a significant disadvantage. You so yeah. eloquently said it, but again, I must object. We've talked to about Rogers earlier in the show. I well, need a new sleeper. I need you. The people that are here at ten fifty seven want some new news. Uh, and, well, you know, exactly these, either. I need exactly. a new sleeper. Yeah, Let, uh, Matt. May, maybe I can. Maybe I can help on this as well. Um, so if if I'm looking at at your teams right now, which I may or may not be doing, what about a guy? Can you t- tell us a little bit about? Um, let's go to Indianapolis. Farrell knows this team. What about a guy like uh, not Josh Downs, not Michael Pittman? What about a guy like Alec Pierce? What do you think about him in his sophomore year? I like it. He's going to be on the field a ton. He's got a rookie quarterback, so there's you know there's pitfalls, there's caveats. There, there are reasons to 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 not be hugely you know positive on it, but at the same time, good rookie year, very good receiver. He's going to be on the field the entire game, so that's that's a great call. And thanks for bailing me out on that one. <laughs> You're very welcome. I I lied. There is one more question we're going to do tonight. It's from Jacob Ander in the YouTube chat, and and I feel like we have to bring this up every single week until we get a resolution on it. Uh, what's the panic level on Jacobs not playing Week One from one to ten? One, you're not concerned about it at all. Ten, oh my goodness, I'm not touching Josh Jacobs in drafts at all this year. Matt Stewart, where do you fall in on the panic level for Josh Jacobs? I'm at a seven point five right now. I, I am. I am wow. okay. I'm very concerned. Josh Jacobs seems like a very principled guy. Do I like what's happening to the to the running backs in the NFL? Absolutely not. But at the same time, when he made the statement, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stand for all running backs. That, that that's 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 a principled statement to the point where, well, if he just shows up and plays week one, where's the stand? There's no stand. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he's gonna lose 10.1 million dollars, and we all saw what you know what happened with Lev Bell. But he seems like he might be a special breed that. Is is that principled? And if you're going to spend a at worst a what a third round pick on Josh Jacobs, it's going to put you uh, behind the eight ball. And there's a lot of guys I'm comfortable taking. You know, if, if he fell to me in the late fourth, early fifth, 
I like to gamble occasionally, but in the third round, there's there's a lot of you know guarantees out there that it, I I would not take him over. Bobby Dizzo just published Jacob's phone number in the chat. We no, that know. wasn't his phone number. That that's that where that's where Jacob that's where he's at on a panic level. Right oh, now. Or, I, mean, I, I take that back, Farrell. It could be his phone number for all I know. I don't, Josh Jacobs number. is not my phone, so I don't know. Um, well, Josh Jacobs is currently going ahead of Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Travis Etienne, Aaron Jones, and Kenneth Walker. So if you don't like Jacobs, trust me, there is another running back in the showroom that might be more attractive for your fantasy football team this year as well. No more attractive a guest can we find. Uh, not from a physical, sexual standpoint, man. I want to make that uh, ostensibly clear. <laughs> but no more. Guy. <laughs> no, you, you are. You're a good-looking guy. But Just no more. You have a beard. You're giving. You know. Yeah. No. I. I. Uh, don't fall down this rabbit hole. There is no more attractive of a fantasy mind that we can get on a Thursday night than a dude who has won 26 FFPC leagues over the course of his career, won thousands upon thousands of dollars. Matt, I, I, you're probably on the clock somewhere, I would imagine, or you're you're looking to join another league. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, good luck in all your leagues this season. And uh, and Dizzle always teases me teases me about this. I, I I love all our guests, but I really want you to bring home that million dollars in the Fantasy Pros Championship and the FFP. Me too. Me too. Would love Absolutely. it. Yeah. Hey Matt, guys, thank thanks you so much for having me. Thanks for the so blast. much. Good luck to everybody out there this year, and uh, talk to you soon, hopefully. That, yeah, absolutely. That's the idea. That's the idea. Matt Stewart, ladies and gentlemen, popping aboard the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on a bonus Thursday episode tonight. Hope you all enjoyed it. Farrell, I, I teased this at, at the top of the show. Um, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship is in midseason form. And why wouldn't you be? Because we are well past midseason as far as drafts go. Uh, slow drafts are popping off um, in the main event. You have uh, the Statue of Liberty division drafting Sunday night at 11 o'clock. That'll yeah. be the next live league to go. And spots are getting scarce in Cincinnati and Louisville. And, and I, I highly recommend that, again, as a guy who's played in – how many times have I played live in Kentucky? I mean, it's got to be almost 20 years uh, – not 20, but probably 15-plus uh, in Kentucky. You cannot have a better time uh, outside of maybe the FFPC live events in Las Vegas. Kentucky might be right up – well, I know it's right up there. It might be head-and-head. Head to head with the FFPC live events. I love it, man. And uh, time's running out to get into those live events. Well, yeah. And, you know, Balky, our online business has really picked up too. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's it's been a good thing. We've sold out a few leagues and we're trying to push this one out for Sunday. So anyone that doesn't think they can get here live, uh, we would love to have you play late this uh, Sunday evening. And it's, uh, it, all fantasy football is is good for fantasy football when we're playing in the FFPC and the KFFSC. It's great prep to get ready to go to Las Vegas and, and take a shot at that million dollars. I'll remind everyone that our top five finishers in our main event get a bid to play in the FFPC mm -hmm. every year. We've got some guys going this year that have never been, including a wonderful guy named uh, Rich Bates, uh, Rich is beloved in the KFFSC, and he he's he wants to talk about it every day. You know, it's very exciting, and we we've, we've got a month uh, before we get there. But uh, Rich is is ready to go. So we're we're here for uh, the players that want to play, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, I look forward to it. I, we're counting down the days. What are we looking at as far as um? It's the twenty fifth. I think Louisville kicks off, so mm -hmm. we're fifteen days away from that. As far as Cincinnati goes, we're 10 
I mean, a week and a half, for God's sake, it is really sneaking up on us. And we're just hours away from the next KFFSC online draft from filling up. We're just hours away, Farrell, from our next episode. I will uh, thank you for joining me tonight, and I will see you tomorrow night, my friend. That'll be great, Buck. Uh, absolutely. Farrell Elliott, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. Follow him on Twitter at uh, KFFSC official. I should say Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship on Twitter, KFFSC official. And of course, KFFSC.com is where to go to sign up for those leagues right now. I want to thank Matt Stewart, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Rice, each and every one of you. Did you have a great time tonight? I know I did. I don't think I can wait a week to do another show. So let's do another one tomorrow, which is what we're going to do. We're live. Tomorrow night, 10, 9 central with the Fantasy Football Mastermind, FFPC Pros versus Joes, uh, competitor and former multi-league FFPC main event champion, Mike Nazarick. He's going to join the show with myself and Farrell tomorrow night in less than 24 hours. You can, in case you missed it, you can watch tomorrow's or tonight's High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network on any of the FFPC social media channels with yours truly. And of course, uh, Tom Strachan from Fantasy Pros uh football outsiders and the fantasy football sanctuary really good stuff from he was in england tonight basically doing the show from england so we had a two-hour across the pond show which was a lot of fun to do you can watch that on demand whenever you like at ffpc at the ffpc social media channels um what else is going on sunday night we have live main event draft coverage with aiden lacory and dave tripoli that is going on sunday night we are going to be live tuesday night with live fantasy pros championship draft coverage um, and I believe we have a Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown coming up next Thursday at 10, 9 Central after the uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network and, of course, here on the FFPC. Uh, and then next Friday, uh, we're going to be um, doing our annual um, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship preview. Guest to be named, but I have a pretty good feeling I know who it's going to be. So that's coming up. Make sure you're liking, commenting, subscribing, sharing, and uh, get, getting notified anytime we go live on this channel. Um, and you'll find out who those guests are. Win a million bucks in the Fantasy Pros Championship. Win a million bucks in the FFPC main event. Fantasy Pros Championship drafts going off in about 49 minutes. We got the midnight draft. I'll be commissioning that. Hope to see you in there. Uh, thanks for watching, everybody. I would say your weekend starts now, but we got another show tomorrow. So your Thursday night starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Sometimes I like to dispense little life lessons tonight. Um, been a heck of a day for me today. I, I could not attend my son's fall ball baseball game tonight because of, of prior commitments with work and everything, which is fine. He understands I, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I don't know if I shared this, but a few weeks back, um, my son was brought into a, his Little League game in an impossible situation. The pitcher before him had already given up a run. He walked the bases loaded. There was nobody out. And my son did the best he could, struck out the first guy, but just fell apart after that. Uh, his defense kind of let him down, and he felt like he let his team down after that inning. Only time I've had to console my son who was crying walking off the baseball field. And uh, the coach wanted him to go out and pitch the next inning, and my son said, there's no way I'm going to do that. And uh, and I was like, oh, God, I hope this, this doesn't weigh on him. I hope he goes back on the mounds again. Well, I found out from my mom who was at the game tonight. My son did, in fact, go toe the rubber again tonight. 
after his bad experience the last time he was out there and uh, pitched the shutout inning, uh, which which warms the cockles of my heart, obviously. Life lesson here is no matter what it is, whether it's sports, whether it's fantasy football drafting, whether it's life in general, um, we all get knocked down from time to time. The key is getting back up. Uh, my son got back up tonight. If Whatever you're battling with in your life right now, I hope that you dust yourself, you get back up, and you go out and crush it. Thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, really appreciate it, and we'll see you tomorrow.